0: Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 98 of the Jake, this Jake Johansson podcast. I'm Jake Johansson and you are you it's episode 98. And what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. I'm glad that you're listening. It means that we're almost to a hundred episodes. We, you and I, I don't know if you listened to all of them, but, uh, it's a lot. Let's face it. I don't know if you're cut out for it. I, I can't believe that I did them all. Uh, but thank you for how many you've listened to or even this, if this is your first one. This week, I have an awesome guest, but before I get to that, let me tell you where I'm going to go, because the sponsor of this podcast is me. I'm the one, I'm the, it's me. So this week, I'm going to be in Ireland, May 29th, June 2nd, Kilkenny, Ireland, for the Sky Cat Laughs Comedy Festival. Next week, I think, is going to be a recap of that festival. I'm going to try and do a little bit of talking every day, and then stitch it all together. Anyway, that's my idea my dream maybe it's gonna be maybe Nigel's gonna be back one of these days he's in town but I can't get a hold of him July 9th I'm gonna be in Squim Washington I think at the casino there and if you don't know where Squim is you're not close to it because you would know if you were near it July 10 through 12 I'm gonna be in Tacoma Washington at the Tacoma Comedy Club and I'm looking forward to that. It's my first time there, August 7 through 10 in Washington, D.C., the D.C. Improv. I'm going to be in Indianapolis at Morty's, August 21 to 23, and September 4 to 6. I'm going to be in Cleveland, Ohio. You can check JakeThis.com if you want to find out about any other places that I'm going to be. See, that was pretty painless, right? Those were my plugs. That was the sponsor, and now it's time for the episode. So this week, my guest is George Cheney. Now, who is George Cheney? You might be asking, or maybe you are, George Chaney. Hey, George, thanks for listening to the show. So um, I go to New Orleans every year for the Jazz and Heritage Festival. This year, I think, was my 20th year, give it. Well, it's at least 20. And uh, one year, a few years ago, you know, it's probably six years ago or more now, but it's you lose track of time. I, I've been going down there a long time, and I'm at a backyard party of one of my friends, down in New Orleans and I see this guy is kind of looking at me and I'm wondering, do I know that guy? And uh, let me tell you a little bit about George. He has the best dreadlocks of anyone that I personally know. Uh, and I was thinking, do I know that guy? I, I would remember that guy if I knew that guy. And then he comes up to me and he says, Hey, are you Jake Johansson? And I said, yeah. And he knew me cause he was a fan of my comedy. And so we got to talking. He lives down there. He explains to me his name at the time. He had the same first name as the president, George, and then he had the same last name as the vice president, Cheney. Remember those guys? Well, George Cheney is very different than those two guys whose names he used to explain himself to me so that I would never forget his name. But George is a great guy. He works in the public defender's office in New Orleans. Not only does he have the best dreadlocks, of any person that I know not maybe not of any person out there but there he's got some pretty awesome hair we're about the same age he works in the public defender's office in New Orleans and he has got a great positive energy and I feel like I was talking about last week or the week before about you know we're all in this together and we really got to kind of think of it that way and that's one of the things that I always feel when I'm down in New Orleans I really feel like I'm I'm Part of something with these people who all have their priorities right. Look, it's about being nice to each other. It's about us being all on the same team. It's about us enjoying our lives. We're not going to be here for a long time. So eat, let's eat something delicious. Let's go hear some good music, and let's not miss a chance to dance and have a good time. And whenever I see George, uh, it's, just, it's just a pleasure because he's smiling. He's telling me about something that I didn't know or we're both talking about something we're going to go see or do together. I'm a comedian, he's an attorney, and together we had a conversation in his office, which I had never visited, uh, down in New Orleans, and we talked a little bit about how we're all on the same team. I'll be honest with you, it got a little bit, uh, you know, we might have been covering some socialistic, socialism-y kind of talk at the beginning with the healthcare and whatnot, but I, I think we're both coming from a place of really trying to figure out how 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 to be nicer to each other and how to make the world a better place. Anyway, it was a pleasure to talk to him. I have listened to this conversation again, and I have to say, it made me feel good listening all over again. So I hope that you enjoy it. And, uh, why don't we just get on with it? I mean, I could go on and on and tell you about what it's going to be like when you're listening to it, but why don't you listen to it and see if it's like what you think I said it was going to be like, and then I'll talk to you again at the end. All right. Hang in there. Here we go. Just happy. So welcome back to New Orleans, man. Good to see you. Thank you. It's good to be <laughs> back here, George. I was so excited to, uh, when I got on the plane thinking about everybody that I get to see, and usually yeah. I just run into you yeah. someplace. So this, yeah. t- this is my first seeing you on purpose, deliberately, <laughs> like I made it happen. Well, it's like in
1: the crazy days before of cell phones, when you had to just say happenstance or whatever, energy will bring me in contact. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's good to connect.
0: Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, when I first texted you, I thought, oh, it's. I haven't uh, been in touch with you since last year at this time. So yeah. I thought, well, maybe you've gotten a new number or
1: something. <laughs> Hopefully I those? won't be getting one. I'm going on, to hold on for it, to it as long as I can. If I move to Pittsburgh, I may well have a uh, a new number, a 412 number. Yeah, would so you I'm do that, thinking. though? I mean, I'm thinking about it. Uh I like Pittsburgh. It's a great city. You know, I it was uh, I was a Steelers fan in the 70s cuz you know, growing up in New Orleans you need uh, another team to root for for a long time. <laughs> and uh, Steelers so were that AMC was your they team. were your backup team. That was my well, that was my front team cuz the, the Saints used to play so badly. <laughs> you know, and they had uh, you know all the guys Joe Green and I mean, Dwight White uh, you know they had all these guys: Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, I'm Melton trying to Lund. remember
0: Lyle Alzado. <laughs> was that was he on? Now the... that's Oakland. Okay, that's no, out I there. Can't.
1: Raiders I... and then Denver. All right. But you know, it, growing up in New Orleans, you needed a backup team. We were so bad for so long. You know, all of my childhood and into much of my adult life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they're they're doing good now. We were and selling getting ready to move away. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. But yeah. um, you know, the team. Interesting. Uh, the team was a lift after the uh, after the storm to this city, and I'm not. I like football, you know, but NFL. NFL owners, they make too much money for me.
0: Well, yeah, I'm a guy. Well, see, I'm the guy who's throwing the ball and catching the ball in show business. You know, I feel like the guy who's selling the tickets. Sure, he should be entitled to some money. But if I'm doing the show, Mm -hmm. I should get the money.
1: No doubt. No doubt. I'm not mad at him. I mean, sometimes I get mad at him when we are kicking $6 million a year to the owner of the Saints when we, you know, diverting funds that could be done. Uh, for rebuilding the city. At, when you make that your first priority, mm-hmm. you know, at first blush, it's like, really? Do we really need them that bad? You know, New Orleans was a city before there were saints, and we would survive the loss of them. But the truth of the matter is they did lift the city after
0: Well, that. not only that, I think they they also drew some attention here, whether that brought any kind of help or or money. I mean, it's still funny to me to come down here and see how it's not... It, you know, if this was New York City, everybody mm-hmm. says they would have fixed it right away. That's right. And now I come. I've been coming down here every year, eight since, years, nine years. Yeah, now? well, it's so over twenty years. Twenty years. Okay. Yeah. So well, you saw before and after. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And so it's just how long it's taking to get it back, and how it's kind of just. Being done by people with their own money as opposed mm-hmm. to there's nobody helping. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't look that way. Anyway. Yeah,
1: Well, it trickled down, and you know how trickle-down goes, done with all the money. Get most of the money at the top, and they fix their stuff up, and then the poorest people have to scrap and scrape and that 's happened here there are segments of the city that still struggle because the people had the least amount of insurance, the least amount of resource, and so they had to you know go through processes like road home, which really left people on the road
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah well i i 'm not even familiar with i 've heard of that one yeah. but i, I don 't know how it works in on a day. I feel like any time where you've got to fill out a form and wait for somebody to decide yeah. It was
1: supposed trouble. to be uh, the means and the method for people to uh, rehabilitate, rehabilitate their homes, put them back, and all of that sort of stuff. But the truth of the matter is a lot of people got left out, uh, and people tried to go through the process, and the process had some real hurdles for them. And so some were able to navigate it, and some were less able. Yeah, well, I can't even m- get my health
0: insurance to work right. So. <laughs> Did you sign up? Were you part of the eight million? I went to try and sign up, but uh, the lady. So I called up the lady. My wife is going back to school, so she's got insurance through uh, the university. Yeah. So we're part. You know. Yeah. At fifty something years of age, I'm taking advantage of the insurance that they give to college students. Been there, done that. Yeah. Then. it's when a crazy she, thing. So so the, the person, the agent that I talked to about signing up for the government plan said, look, you should just stay with what you've got until it. It's done in. Yeah. Um, I think it, that'll be in September, and then there'll be a new eligibility to sign up, yeah. and that's when I'm gonna. That's when I'm gonna start. Yeah. Hopefully, some of the kinks will be worked out <laughs> because it seems like it's gonna cost some money. I
1: think play. they're working it out, but the truth of the matter is, a, a, a country like ours, wh- why the fight about keeping people insured, or having people with access to insurance?
0: You know? Oh well, that's that's what got me. It's like, look, you're part of the federal government. I could, oh, I'm happy, <laughs> but I couldn't understand. I How they're going to put the government on strike in Mm -hmm. order to keep people from getting health care.
1: It's a mess. It's a mess. And uh, it's about priorities. You know, there are people with agendas that have nothing to do with the public good. Uh, nothing to do with uh, what we ought to be doing. You know, they, they play games with people's lives. And, and it's
0: unfortunate when that happens because it seems like, too, they, they're doing it because they're taking advantage of the fact that people don't really understand Absolutely. what's going on. And they're kind of fooling them into doing what they want them to do, even though it's not in the, in the people's best interest. Yeah, Well, there's some red flags that they can always wave.
1: And then it gets people in a position about I don't want to pay for this and I don't want to pay for that. And, again, you know, the folks that are oftentimes in need of it that sometimes they can be hoodwinked into thinking, you know what, this is going to cost me. You, you don't have the means, the ability to get it yourself, and there's a system in place to help you to get something that's critical. You know, if you're talking about a quality of life and the ability to address things, why would you not be for that?
0: Well, uh, yeah, well, that's how I feel about it. I th- <laughs> and I think a lot of people don't even understand the idea of insurance. When you hear them talking about, like... Why should I have to pay for this when yeah. I don't need that? And yeah. it's like well, insurance is we're all going to pool our money together. The
1: law of large numbers. Right. That's what yeah. I learned when I was in college.
0: But it's – <laughs> it, the whole idea of insurance is yeah. socialism, sort of. So Absolutely. it's whether you're going to have a capitalistic entity in charge yeah. of distributing the money and taking profit off the top or you're going to put the government in charge. No, whichever choice you make, yeah. it is what it is. We're pooling our money together. So if we spend more on medical care than we took in on our premiums, then we're going to have to raise our premiums. And
1: it's a winning game at the end of the day. The insurance companies, uh, they had their say, but they understand uh, that that's a real benefit to them. The law of large numbers basically says that the many have to pay for the infirmities of the few and the fact of the matter is most of the time if you if you can get with that single payer that they were talking about everybody enrolled now you've got a situation where there are large pools of money and yeah. people not not everybody's going to get sick at the same time with the same thing with the same cost and so as you're able to spread those costs over and you're able to pull out the profit needed to make the system go
0: i mean see that's what it seems like it's so simple to me you just yeah. get everybody in the pool and then we're all going to pay our share yeah. of everybody's health care. Yeah. But with the insurance companies you get them in charge and their first move is to get the sick people out. <laughs> You know, what do you want to? I them, want I want to sell insurance to people who don't get sick. They, they don't like simplicity;
1: they like complexity. Because in complexity, you can uh, siphon off what you want. You can play games with people. You know, um, when things are simple, sometimes you know uh, folks don't want it again. Because you know, like our tax code why why would why would we keep it as complex as it is so that those with the greatest amount of money and that sort of stuff can work it in the way they want?
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. You hear about all these co- uh, multiple multinational corporations create these offshore entities that hold their other entities and then they pay each other, um, retainers for services, which is, then the services are basically, oh, you, you're holding this money for me. That's right. And then they don't have to pay any taxes because the money winds up what in profit? a place. Right. Well, I didn't make any profit. And and I can't do that. You know, if I tried to open a bank account in the Cayman Islands, the, I would get investigated and shut down in two seconds. Absolutely. There's a place in federal prison. You might meet somebody like me. on <laughs> your way there. Right. Could you help me in that situation? Could you get me out of... Uh, trouble if I open my if I started funneling all my funds offshore to the well. Cayman first, Island. you have to meet the eligi- el- eligibility requirements for the public defender. <laughs> I've always wondered at Well, now we're talking about your job, job. Yeah. But uh, I've always wondered about that when you see that on TV. You yeah. know, if you can't afford an attorney, one will be appointed yeah. for you, and yeah. so that is you.
1: That is, I'm one of them, and there are what 90 districts around the country, and. I mean, offices, big and small. Our office is fairly small, probably six lawyers now. Uh, shrunk from about nine before the storm, a part of the sequestration, now gift from sequestration. Uh, but offices that are significantly
0: larger than us, and very good offices, I have to say. But that doesn't seem like a lot of lawyers six in is that just new orleans it's 13
1: parishes including uh orleans parish which new orleans is in it's a good amount of uh land to cover and a good amount of people to cover but so everyone who needs a public defender Is working off a pool of six people? Not necessarily. We also have a conflicts panel. There are instances where our office can't represent one person because we've represented somebody previously or it's a conspiracy and there are multiple people. We have a panel of other lawyers, uh, upwards of 100 on our conflicts panel. And they are sometimes, if we can't handle it, if we don't have the capacity, they go to the Criminal Justice Act panel.
0: I see it. So that's like an outsource.
1: It's out. Yeah. Supplemental. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But we do the lion's share of the Mm -hmm. work that comes through. And uh, it's, it's, it's got, it's getting to be more of a challenge. We're down, like I said, uh, three lawyers and the work doesn't stop. In fact, the work is starting to tick up. And so then that starts to present pressures and challenges.
0: And who, who uses the public defender? Is it, is it a kind of last resort thing? It is. Because I mean, I know you a little bit, and I would like to have you on my team. But uh, <laughs> thank you. I got to wind up in a situation where I have no other choices. You
1: got to. You probably happen. have to liquidate some assets to be able to qualify. But the truth of the matter is, there are some standards, and, and what they do is, you do a financial affidavit. Uh, the magistrate judge will look at what, what uh, finances, resources you have available, including homes, cars, that sort of thing, and then what your expenses are, and then they'll do a balancing. In some instances, you get a public de- defender for free. In some instances, he say you've got to pay them $100 a month or $200 a month based on your resources. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, have to, you have to be
0: uh, in some type of a financial bind, really, for us to step in. So when I get in trouble I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pay a lawyer is what You're, you're going to have to, to pay the freight absolutely yeah that's the way you guys have it set up isn't it? <laughs> I feel like I it's a race to see if it's lawyers or insurance companies that wind up with all of our money
1: Well they say first thing you do is kill all the lawyers I don't know about that Lawyers help to manage the society you know as somebody who is a lawyer I think it's a noble profession and the work that
0: I do I especially like because Well absolutely I mean mm-hmm. I feel like you are you're trying to make the system work the way it's supposed to work. Right? Absolutely. And there need to be checks on the system.
1: There's tremendous power that we invest in our government and those law enforcement agencies. And if there's not a check, if there's not somebody to say, are oh, you doing this right or what are you doing or looking behind what they're doing, then, they're, you know, you, you have tyranny. These agencies have tremendous amounts of power and a lot of times they want to do it in secret they want to do it in the dark they don't want to tell you what's going on and and then people get twisted and sometimes get hurt uh, by folks that are abusing the power that's been entrusted to
0: them well it's The criminal justice system, as opposed to that, the other the the thing, yeah, the (laughs) thing, the way, the thing that the corporations are kind of gaming and playing and making, inserting complexity into, so that they can always loophole around, and Mm -hmm. you can't even figure it out when you're watching CNN. Like I don't, (laughs) I can't tell who is the bad guy anymore. Sometimes. Well, the first thing you do is you create a language. You know, one of the first
1: things you do whenever you're going into a profession is you got to learn the language of the profession, and sometimes the language is to make things clearer. Uh-huh. But other times the, the language is so that those that are listening in don't really know what you're talking about and they need somebody to translate. So in some respects, that's what I do. I help people translate, negotiate the system. You know, I've learned the language. uh You know, uh-huh. not all the language. I, I did civil law, but it is about money. And uh while I understand the use of money as a tool, I've never really loved money like some people I
0: know. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like, well, that, they, they've they done those studies where they, they found that once you get over that basic needs plus a little more yeah. level, yeah. you don't really get happier. That's right. You know? That's right. And, but a lot of people don't believe
1: that. They believe if $100 will make you happy, then... Uh, you know, a million dollars will make you ecstatic. And oftentimes, what would, would the rappers say: more money, more problems.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> especially right. when you don't pay the tax. I do, I, I'm not a, I'm not super familiar with rap, but I do know that one. <laughs> I think I think uh, if you're familiar with uh, Willie Nelson, he learned that lesson too. We've had a number of entertainers, well, Wayne the, Newton, and uh, uh, you know, that's tax you problems, right? Yeah, they got yeah, in trouble with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always funny because they because that is just trying to squeeze that extra money. Look, you're already rich; just pay the tax guy. Just pay a guy to pay the tax guy. But I think sometimes it's a matter of like, I don't know Wesley Snipes and how he got into his situation, (laughs) but it seemed like he just wound up listening to the wrong guy who told him a good story Mm -hmm. that he believed that he didn't have to pay his taxes for whatever kind of silly science fiction. Yeah, And
1: sometimes it is, you know, even in the work that I do. One of the things you confront with people is sometimes they want you to tell them what they want to hear. I'm in the practice of telling them what they need to know. I, you know, I, I tell you, know, I'm a problem solver at at the end. And we need to diagnose the problem. We need to know the you know the the length of the problem, the depth of the problem, and then we can then say whether well, these are the options or opportunities. Mm-hmm. But if you start with a misdiagnosis, if you start with you know faking it,
0: in the end you're gonna. Suffer. Well, like a specific example of what you're talking about would, would be can, – can you kind of – I'm trying to think if I understand well, I mean, what you're you,
1: saying. you have a client that comes in uh, or you meet a client and you're talking with them about what's going on. Well, one of the first things they're going to do sometimes is, you know, they're going to put a happy face on what's going on. They're going to try to mislead you. I mean, you don't meet somebody and say, you know what, Uh, you know, I beat my wife, uh, cheat on my taxes. uh, You know, I go to church uh, and steal from the box and that sort of. I mean, people don't tell you, and I'm not talking about my clients, uh, do those things, all those things. They do some of those things. But as a practical matter, when you first meet somebody, you want to put on a happy face. You want to, you know, your representative meets them. And then we got to get down to the point where you're telling me what's going on. Uh, You know, if you're shading it or telling misrepresenting what's happening and that sort of stuff, and I start to go down the road in terms of trying to defend you or help you or that sort of stuff, and you're misleading me, uh, then there'll be points that I come to obstacles. There'll be points where there's nothing there. There'll be points when it's crystal clear that you're not giving me what I need to know. Right. Right. And it begins to slow what I can do in terms of helping to solve and resolve the problem with you. It can Mm -hmm. undermine in a great degree, my effectiveness. And so, you know, one of the key things is to build rapport with clients is to make them understand that I'm here to help you. There's a reason why I have the privilege that what you say to me is protected. There's a reason why uh, I have a duty of confidentiality and those things so that, you know, In some, I have a jurist doctor, so it's like a doctor sometimes. You right, can't, right. you know, tell him, you know. You can't go in the doctor and he
0: say, "What's wrong?"
1: Oh, nothing's wrong, doc. I'm feeling great. But why are you here?
0: <laughs> but when they but when they ask you how much you drink, you don't tell them the exact amount. You always not, take not a couple of drinks off. You, you yeah.
1: shave a little bit yeah. off. <laughs> when they do the X-ray, you never. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that thing. Well, you know, it might have been. It might have been a rough night that I didn't remember. Yeah,
0: is it is it rewarding? Be working for the public defender's office, or is it? Can it be? It seems like it could get depressing.
1: It there are rewards and there are challenges, just like anything. One of the rewards is you can have real impact in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's at risk with most of my clients is their freedom. And if if I can help them to navigate the system and negotiate and and go through the process, uh, we can lessen the impact on their freedoms, time in jail or no time in jail, probation, those types Mm -hmm. of things. And there are people that need the help that I provide. And a lot of times, you know, it's impactful in their lives. So that's the reward. The challenge is, you know, standing next to somebody who's who's about to get 30 years or gets 30 years of life oh, man. you know it it is a hit to your spirit in some respects you know you i mean i got weak in the knees yeah <laughs> the first time somebody got a life sentence you know <laughs> and saying I saying going home that day
0: <laughs> it's like a magnetic field you know where you yeah. can feel it you it's not happening to you but you yeah. can feel it if oh. all
1: the world is energy if all of uh, what's going on is electrical energy or some type of energy there's energy that comes to you even when, when, when it's directed at your client, you know, it's a, there's a field of, <laughs>
0: yeah, know, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, you're talking about something that you can feel. So it's, well, no it's, job. this is not a, a science fiction imagined, kind of fantasy thing. Real. You know, mm-hmm.
1: it is uh, something you feel in the pit of your gut. It's something you can feel in your knees or your head. Uh, I mean, it can give you headaches. And you know, when, I mean, there are times when the person that you're representing, you feel like is getting a raw, raw deal, Mm-hmm. And the options and opportunities available to that person are very limited, and so now you know is is you're negotiating. All right, they want to take your your hand, uh, but we can give them three fingers. You know, they want to take your arm, and, but we can give them you know uh, your hand in up to your elbow.
0: You know? Oh, and I you're mean, and you're in that situation because of the economic. They the, you can't devote en- enough time to really... There's
1: some economics. There are, there's a power dynamic. The the prosecutor has discretion and holds a lot of the power. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, they are worse than Shylock. They don't just want a pound of flesh. They want a pint of blood, too, you know? <laughs> so,
0: when the idea is they're going as hard for what getting the maximum penalty, they're not... Their job in their mind is to get that, not to see justice served. The judge is the person who is the sole... Mm-hmm. person who 's deciding that
1: yeah. not every prosecutor there 's a spectrum, just like everything else. There are people that are what they call true believers, you know the idea that everybody that that is charged did it. And, and that you need to get the maximum amount of uh, whatever from them, there are people that understand that all of us human beings are frail and we <laughs> have problems sometimes we don't meet the standard. And then what they're trying to do, some t- some are working toward trying to create some, create some type of justice because justice isn't just, you know, the law can be a blunt instrument. You know, uh, we, we've we seen it, you know. There were times when the people that looked like me had to sit on the back of the be- bus. It was the law. You know, yeah, and then we yeah, have yeah. challenges to the law, and we begin to move the law in the direction of justice. Uh, that this is not right. That we need to reform. We need to do something better. And so, you know, we have to move our system. And again, on many fronts. And I'm on. You know, I'm on the front line sometimes. And and I and I'm fit to fight. I like. You know, I have the temperament for it and that sort of stuff. But there are some setbacks, and and there's, sometimes there's an emotional toll. I can't. You know get up and fight a battle for somebody, you know, come back with a, what would be considered a loss and not have it impact me. At that yeah. point, if I can just do that, like people say, you can't get too involved. Well, my dad taught me a long time ago if, if, if people, uh, he, he would say, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Because if you don't care, you won't use what you know to help them anyway. Mm, and so it's mm-hmm. something that I've tried to do in my practice, in my life. Is, is, is demonstrate that I care, I'm here for a purpose, and it's service. You know, this is a real service to people. And if I do it in the right way, I'm going to be able to help them. And in the process, I get my paycheck. But I also get the other benefit of having been able to help somebody, and that's a great great thing for human beings to be able to help other human beings
0: yeah yeah it, i'm sure it's a rewarding you know it is, and i mean and that's a world i think that i'd want to live in it's, and i know it's because of what you just said it's a world you want to live in we all got to kind of be who who we want to be dealing with
1: we are brothers keepers you know what i do and we have to understand that I, that our uh, actions, uh, uh, the things we do and say and how we move in the world have impact on the
0: people. We don't live in a world by ourselves and a lot of people act like they do. Well, I th- I think th- it's interesting to hear you say that because this is a thing that I think about a lot of, I think we're being sent a message by the way our leaders behave mm-hmm. and, and, and and not just our political leaders, our yeah. business leaders, that the world is based on power and and force,
1: yeah, and it's a gaming uh, idea. You know, there's a game, and uh, I'm on a team, and you're on on a team. So when my team wins, your team is supposed to lose, all right? And when you get into that idea of everything's adversarial, when you get into that, I think, that idea that everything I gain is a loss to you, or the reverse, then you put people at odds where they can't ever get to the middle places to resolve and say, how do we share? How do we work out situations
0: where we both benefit? Uh, right, right, and it and it seems like also it's base. Ultimately, it's false. I yeah, mean, power yes. power can create a lot of bad situations, and Absolutely. you can force individual human beings to to bend to your will to it. a point. We see but it in a, the world, but eventually, eventually, those people are going to refuse, and if the cost of that refusal is, is their death, people do make that choice because they take
1: up arms. They're doing it in. The, Ukraine and they're doing it in places all around the world and the truth of the matter is when you press people into a corner they may well retreat to the corner for a while when they realize that there's no escape at some point they're coming back at you and if they can put something in their hands or <laughs> do something to, to yeah. back
0: you up but it eventually, do it It eventually it's, does, it has to work its way back around to look we're going to have to talk this out yeah. the only way to end it is, is to stop the violence and start the conversation you Absolutely. Know?
1: when we understand that this is a shared That all of the world is a shared space. You know, Mm -hmm. that what happens on one side of the earth has impact on another. That uh, when you uh, take things uh, that don't belong to you, uh, whether you're a thief uh, that's stealing bread or you're a thief that's stealing people's uh, life earnings uh, Mm -hmm. through scans and that sort of stuff, the impact is real. And when we understand those things, that we are interconnected, you know, that when I breathe out, you may be breathing in. You know, and that sort of stuff. And we got to understand that we're dependent in very real ways, are interdependent, and that, and that there is... You know, if you start from the idea that there's not enough then we're going to be like rats or crabs clamoring for what there is. Mm -hmm. When you start from the idea that that there is enough, that scarcity is is a creation and a false creation, then people can start to work to say, how do we divide up this pie that we have? Or how do we share what we have? And how do we make sure? But then you get to people talking about socialism again because they want a bigger piece of the pie. And then, you know, they were saying, all right. We're going to take three quarters of the pie, and the rest of y'all can fight for this.
0: <laughs> well, but Other then quarters. you then you read about. Did you see that statistic? What, what, I first heard it a couple, of, maybe a week or two ago. About eighty-five families have more wealth than three and a half billion. The bottom three and a half billion. So half of the people on Earth mm-hmm. combined, their wealth is equal to what these eighty-five. Families have, and, and
1: those eighty-five families believe that they've earned it. They believe that they have a, a clear claim to it. They believe that these other people don't have it. But sometimes because they're not as smart as us, or they don't work as
0: hard as us. And it's, it's I get I get how they could believe that, but just realistically, honestly, can mm-hmm. can you, how can they sit down? Like, you don't have to get a gun or argue with me or fight with me about it. Just mm-hmm. I'm just saying. In your heart, person who has all that money, how can you really believe that that's your share? How can you really look at these people? When you, when you talk about the, that bottom three and a half billion, there's some of those people are just so have nothing they got the clothes that they got on and not and not enough food like they're losing weight Mm -hmm. from not having enough food and you feel like you got you got a boat that you you got a boat that you haven't even seen in your life well i can store it and that you see it i mean you see uh people
1: engage in things that are anti-group i mean like after the storm you had instances to go back uh, where people were getting gas. Now, if I need to get gas for a car, and my car holds 13 gallons of gas, you know, and I get 13 mm-hmm. gallons of gas, then the guy coming behind me might be able to get gas. If I get 13 gallons of gas in my car, and then 13 gallons of gas in the two five gallon uh, deals and three uh, one gallon deals, then the guy behind me might not get gas or if everybody engages in that and then you're going to have people who are out of gas and then you got people who have gas they can't use for days and days and mm-hmm. days you know and it's that theory how much air can you breathe how much water can you drink how much food can you eat you
0: know i guess what i'm saying though is i feel like the solution to that problem that you just had is With that guy Mm -hmm. that he's got to realize, look, I don't need to fill up these cans. And the solution that we're going after a lot of times in the world is we we got to hire a guy with a gun to make sure that that guy doesn't take too much gas. And it's just like that. That's a way to kind of make to force it to happen. But if you can get everybody to understand and believe that we're in this together, then you don't need that element of force. And
1: that's a higher level thinking, because if you got the idea that anything I can buy, I can have, then you're going to say, you know what, I'm gonna buy this and store it. I'm gonna stack it, you know, and that's it. If you don't, if, and, and they have people that have the idea that anything that you can't buy, you shouldn't have food, clothing, shelter, health care. And, you know, it, it is as I'm willing to uh, have less so that more can have. And, you know, when we're dealing with the people that we perceive to be in our clan and our tribe on our team, Mm -hmm. we we may engage in that behavior a little bit better. But once we make somebody the other, then it's easier to say, you know, it's okay if I have more and you
0: don't have any. Because they're not me.
1: That's it. You're not me. You don't look like me. You don't think like me. Uh, And sometimes at the heart of it is an idea that I'm superior to you. Yeah, I should yeah. have more than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm better looking. I got more money.
0: People yeah. like me. <laughs> yeah. Well, So when you talk about having having less so other people can have yeah. more, How how? I mean, I understand that being a public defender is absolutely you're not yeah. working. You're not making the maximum money at the job based on the skills that you have.
1: Absolutely right? not. And uh, when I was in private practice, I made more money. But the truth of the matter is oftentimes the challenge was you get somebody that really needs your help, and they don't have the resources to give it. And what are you going to do, ransom it to them? Your grandmother has to sell her house.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. you have to, you know— well, but you talk- talking about qualifying for the public defender there's a little element of that down in the bottom. <laughs> you're just talking about like okay, you're trying to deal fairly with people who have nothing, but this yeah. other example when you're working in your private practice and yeah. you're saying your grandmother has to mortgage your house that's just a guy who's deciding to look i I deserve more because mm-hmm. I'm better than that public defender, Sometimes. so I cost more and you Absolutely. need yeah.
1: Or, or it's a guy that's borrowed significant sums to go to law school like I did. Oh, man. Went to a private law school, and then you're saddled with debt for 15, 20, 25 years into your practice. You're still paying oh. student loan debt. I think the president maybe, maybe retired his student loan debt a couple of years before he got to the
0: White House. But he was slow paying it. He was working some kind of, he was working some kind of interest rate angle. He could have paid it off sooner. I mean, I know he had some book money that he could have th- he could have thrown at that student loan debt.
1: I think that's what he got his advance. He got it. Let me clear this. Uh,
0: oh man, so your student debt is all paid off? It's not
1: for real. It's not, and I'm 23 years out of law school. And, uh, you and well, I are the same
0: to, age, man. I, That's it. Your I'm, student loan is not paid off?
1: Well, I wasn't slow paying, and I paid it and paid it, and right. then there were times when I couldn't pay it. Yeah. So I had to get it deferred, and there were times when I went in default and then came out of default. Oh, I mean, man. it's a struggle. I mean, No, I hear you. It I believe slavery.
0: it's a real thing. It's Dead just is
1: slavery at the end of the day. And, you know, the idea at the beginning of this thing was, you know, I'll borrow the money, and then I'm going to make all this money and I'm going to be able to retire this debt. But when you come out, the opportunities sometimes aren't what they were sold to you as. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. been a whole discussion with people suing law schools and it was in the news for a time. But the next crisis in our country may well be the student loan debt crisis As as people who have mortgaged their futures Realize they can't pay those mortgages either,
0: not the mortgage that they have on Right, yeah, the when mortgage. you can't walk away from the student yeah. loan debt, you can walk away from your house.
1: Absolutely. You could go through bankruptcy. And, and who, who said you can't liquidate student loan debt? The banks. I, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> they made up the rule. Yeah, no, you can't do that. Yeah, put this in there. And so at the end of the day, and then what they, what they then do is say, well, you must be a leech. You know, if you how do you how do you get a law degree 20 plus years ago and you have a page? You must be a leech. I had two children that I had to take care of. I grew up. uh, My mother didn't complete high school, Mm -hmm. so they didn't have the resources just to say his son go to law school. This is on us. Right. So I borrowed heavily. I came out of college. I had some scholarships and then I didn't have a much debt out of college, but law school. My family didn't have the resource, and I didn't have mm-hmm. the money bank, so I had to borrow it. And again, you borrow thirty, you borrow you know sixty, and people are borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars now to get through professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there won't be. It won't be as easy. We're seeing it already, uh, mm-hmm. to retire that debt and that sort of stuff. And these people that have played this game. You know, at some point they're going to be saying, you know, can we do a
0: debtor's prison? That's the only. <laughs> well, when you say the people who's, who are playing this game, my first thought was you were talking about the students who would borrow the money. No, But the fact is the people who, this this is created by people, but it's bankers and and uh, tricky lawyer legal. They create a framework where they can, they, they had to see this coming. We're just hearing about it in the news now, oh, no, but they no, had no. to see this coming. Well,
1: they know. And absolutely you know? the numbers don't work out, you know, and you, you have people borrowing uh, large sums of money on, you know, a projected income, you know, you, you, a lawyer is going to be able to mm-hmm. be able to command this. Well, you know, like every profession, those at the top, of the game in the lawyer's profession, make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Right. Those at the bottom may make minimum wage because they can't even practice law because they don't have the resource to set themselves up. And, mm. they, and if they do it, they're doing it on the margin. So they really can't.
0: They're, bar, they're borrowing to you set up their business when they've already everything. borrowed to get their degree. Exactly. And then so that's what you're talking about. When you say debt is slavery, you're that's talking right. about you're in a situation where you're not – free to choose to do what you want to do because you have to Mm -hmm. serve that debt. Yeah. And
1: one of the things that has happened since I've been here is since I'm doing what they call public interest law, I'm going to, I plan to get some loan forgiveness and hopefully to be able to knock this thing out uh, in the years to come, you know. Uh, But the challenge has been you know, being able to kind of keep all the balls in the air, feed the family, Mm -hmm. uh, make provision for all these things and then Retirement. That was another reason why I came in here. Uh, I came on board. I was already past forty, and I had maybe thirty thousand dollars saved for retirement. You know, oh, and then, yeah. You know, the real thing is when they, you know, when I was in private practice, they said uh, that a private practitioner's uh, retirement party is a funeral. You know,
0: <laughs> and I, I thought about- well, I got a bad feeling that that's going to be my retirement well- <laughs> party too. But but I'm okay with it as a hey. as an artist or Comedian and musician, you know, you yeah. hope that you'll be able to do your thing yeah. forever, That's you know, it. until you until you're yeah. done doing it. Everything,
1: yeah. If as long as I can be effective at this, I want to do it. And the truth of the matter is, if I if I could give my the public defender allows me in some respects to give my services to people. Somebody's paying for it; they're not paying for it. Uh, but I'm able to then, without the pressures of it, has this person paid me what I think they should or that sort of stuff, right. I can serve them without that block in my hand. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I and I thought even if I left this or when I left this place, I would still make myself available to people in community to, to help them to solve and resolve problems mm-hmm. uh, that they can't solve or resolve themselves and do it at a reduced rate. Uh, and and some, uh, just give it away because I know people need it.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's freeing in some respects when you can give somebody something that they need again as human beings it is a good thing
0: well i think that that's the other th- that's the other side of that having all that wealth and all that uh, you know when you're in that top 85 families or you're in the top one percent you know yeah. you're always afraid and holding on to you know rich yeah. people are afraid of losing their money <laughs> and pretty people are afraid of losing their looks well, you know hey but you know in the end we know that yeah <laughs> Looks of money
1: can, you know, extend your stay in time when it's right. time to go. You know, and that's it. Uh, beautiful people. There is a beauty premium. I've tried to exploit it when I can.
0: <laughs> you know, I... I <laughs> the truth about it, You're a pretty man. That time, <laughs> time uh, exacts its price on all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there is always... Well almost always someone older who thinks you're hot yeah well and that's it you're a young hottie to somebody
1: absolutely yeah so you got to work the numbers in your favor you know but right. uh the truth of the matter is i in this process you know i have tried to those golden rules that are in all of, if you're talking about faith or just that kind of karma thing of you know give out what you want bang you know if, yeah. you, if yeah. you if you if you If you're giving people love, you're more likely to get love uh, back. If you're giving people the things they need, they're likely to reciprocate. You know, if you're giving people a smile, you're likely to get a smile, you know? And that's what sometimes what we forget is the only person we can control in the equation is our own selves, and sometimes we don't do that very
0: well. Well, I got sent that message though when I was a kid yeah. from my parents oh, and my family and and you know not that I'm a church person, but yeah. we went to church when I was a kid, and that was a message that was out there and it yeah. was and I really think that it's true that you know you give what you, you get what you give and no and the golden rule, but I don't hear. I don't hear that out there as a, as a, here's some wisdom for you that I'm telling you. I don't hear people saying that. I hear people now saying, no, you got to get it. You got to take it. If they're not, if they don't catch you, you didn't do it. Greed is good.
1: You know, greed is good. Uh, people take the, you know, the uh, Michael Douglas character in uh, Wall Street. You know, uh, that uh, greed is good. And and if you if you didn't get it, you weren't you know if you didn't steal it or whatever, you weren't working hard enough to get it. But the, in the end, that's not that's not something that's going to work for you. And if you get out there and give people the value for what they give to you, if you get out there and work a certain way, it's been my experience that that it comes back to you unfortunately people have that other thing that him that with the gold rules you know
0: well there are people who then take yeah. advantage. Of who they realize, oh, this guy is given. Yeah. So I'm going to just get on the other side of that and let him figure out <laughs>
1: yeah. that he made well, a mistake. But there always be stealers. There always be exploiters. There yeah. always be hustlers. But that that isn't the, the main. You know, a lot of times people overestimate the the number of people who will take from
0: you. Um, and- well, fear of the, fear of that is what is what uh, the government uses to drive. All of our kind of anti-crime, oh, no, don't give people health care. You yeah. got to worry about the takers. You yeah, know, it's like somebody's that.
1: gonna get something they don't deserve.
0: How many? Yeah. How many? People are there really like that. But
1: the truth you know. of the matter is the takers are oftentimes those with the greatest resource because they're in a position to take. They got the first cut. And you look at even our Supreme Court, they're saying flood as much money as you want into our political system, right? Which oh, man. Cases one after the other that just basically says bring big dollars in and buy the people you want and give them their marching orders. And then, you know, what happens, happens.
0: That, though— those two decisions that you 're talking about well i mean i i 'm familiar with the the one where they said uh, money is speech Citizens, right? yeah, and, yeah.
1: And the one that was just recently decided, there was one decided in this term. It's escaping me right now, but it's the same thing.
0: But uh, your maximum donation big money, could be, yeah. yeah.
1: You can you can flood the system. There, that's it. The first one, Citizens United, was money is speech, and why should we uh, curtail speech for those who have more money? Mm-hmm. But the idea is, when money is like a loud voice, uh, money yeah. is like a loudspeaker, and it can shout down. The voices of those with no money or
0: even squelch those voices yeah yeah well when when you read about or see on the news about those decisions they're always acting like well we took a look at it and mm-hmm. this is really the fairest way for us to decide something <laughs> but when you're talking about it now and when i think about it it seems like no somebody got to those judges and told them this is what the money wants yeah you know
1: well they picked them You know, and to a great degree, they picked them, and they know going in what their agenda is. That, that these are the folks that we are here to serve. Now, this idea of we have a tripartite government, we got the judiciary and the legislative and the executive, and each is a check on the other, but when you got folks that are paying for the judges and paying for the legislators and paying for the uh, office holders,
0: they, they're, they're going to get their money's worth. They're going to get what they pay for. Right, but when you're talking about you and where your heart is and your work, and I was going to ask you, And this relates to that. Now, what percentage of the people in your that you come into contact with in the legal system are operating from that place of of heart where you are? And then how come we don't have those guys? on the Supreme Court because mm-hmm. that's that's the story that you get told when you're a kid mm-hmm. and that's the if story you work that hard. the that, yeah that these are people who look they put on that robe and they really try and decide what is the fairest best way mm-hmm. for us to give equality and freedom to everyone and and how how do we get that guy in the Supreme Court instead of the guy who's like this is what they pay me to do. Yeah.
1: Well, some of it is, you know, there are people. Uh, the The public defender's office, people with people, uh, populated with people that have that mindset, and they've made the sacrifices. Uh, and you have people that are in big firms that have the same spirit. Uh, the challenge is that those folks oftentimes are not. At the controls, if I could use that term. And, you know, one of the things that they use to keep people out is what are the qualifiers? You know, what are your credentials? What, do you merit it? You know, and the idea of merit
0: oftentimes is what? What school did you go to? How, How much money did you, had, you borrow to get to your college degree? <laughs> like, you can't afford it. Yeah. I got it in my family, That's so right. I got the ped- well, I paid for the pedigree. I
1: mean, uh, when Mitch uh, uh, Romney, uh, when he was talking about, well, your parents just could set you up in business, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: That when he said that, yeah. Uh, well, on. he got called out for that, but it was it was funny the way he said it as if yeah. as if like everybody yeah. has that, yeah. huh? Can't your dad write a
1: check? <clears throat> or your grand? I mean, didn't they set up a trust fund when you were born? I mean, did <clears throat> they put some money back? You know. Well,
0: <laughs> yeah. You were talking about, yeah. Yeah. But that thing that, of,
1: and again, they got all these other qualifiers. When you're talking about uh, access to the, to the executive branch, you're running for public offices and that sort of stuff. Most times there's a cost to that. You know, when you're talking about running for a city election here in the city of New Orleans, if you're going to run citywide and you don't have a half a million dollars, you're not even a serious candidate. So mm-hmm. where are you going to get that money from unless you're personally wealthy or you're willing to tell folks, you know, I understand, I'm listening, and I'm going to make your will known. Give me the money. Give me yeah. the money. Give me yeah. the money. And that process is corrupting. I went through that process. Uh, uh, that some years so? I was in my 40s. I, um, I was looking at running for a judgeship. And then, you know, when you're trying to do the campaigning and all that sort of stuff, the people that you come into contact with and when they reveal
0: but their motivation is—it's scary, man. It's like, ooh. oh, you, everybody's all friendly, and then you yeah. cash the check, and then yeah, they tell you yeah. the, what, you like, me. yeah. Well,
1: they don't say you owe me. They just give you a, 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 a wink of the eye, or you know, right? Yeah, you you know you owe me.
0: <laughs> well, it's a, it's that subtle, like I yeah. pay, I paid for it, yeah. and if you don't realize that yeah. I paid for it, you will when I stop. Paying Paying. for it
1: Uh And the idea is that that it buys me access But also it buys me influence And you know uh, Unfortunately the system Has been built around these ideas That you know those with money Can influence the process And they're pure hearted right Yeah well
0: (laughs) I don't That's that's sarcasm sometimes I feel like when I see people use that sarcasm To make the point and you did it so beautifully I was like Yeah, they are pure. No, they're not. No, they're not pure hearted.
1: Well, I mean, and you learn that when you get to be a certain thing and when you're exposed to it. And people, again, reveal themselves when they take off the mask smile Mm -hmm. and let you know, you know, I gave you this amount of money.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, being a trusting person, you're mm-hmm. always kind of surprised yeah. to find out that you're not dealing with a, a trusting person. Yeah, you know, yeah you're, that, that Oh, I, I'm in a situation that uh, I got into because I, I'm i living by the golden rule and yeah. so are you. But yeah. you're, <laughs> the way that you think other people should do unto you yeah. is not what I did. Well You read the rule, r-
1: rule a little bit differently, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Uh, wow, what else was that going to... Oh. What about that other Supreme Court ruling? I just saw that on the flight down here, this uh, affirmative action thing.
1: Well, I don't know. They've been whittling, whittling, whittling. And at the end of the day, you know, affirmative action is a challenge because what it is is supposed to be remediation. All right. And what happens is the folks that are now or believe that they're suffering the impact of it, they feel like I didn't do it. So why should I be burdened? Why should I? But, but, you know, when I think of it, I think of it in terms of a legacy. Um, if, if I were to be able to get money, money, money during the course of my life and secure debt, debt, debt as a course of my life, and then uh, add on my deathbed I gave my children all of the money, and was able to absolve them of the debt. You know, <laughs> now, now you don't have to deal with uh-huh. the debt. You just take the money. You take the good and leave that debtor. You know, I'm going to take that to the grave with me. Right? Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, since you benefit from the money, you have to deal with the debt too. Mm-hmm. And so there is a sense of some things need to be done. But the challenge with affirmative action is that it is a trigger. It is one of those, you know, as they say, red flags in our society because it, again, starts with the idea that there's not enough. Right. And if, and if I give to you or if I do something to help you up, then there are other people who won't get. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. add, the, add the layers of race and some other things that are really, really uh, minefields in our society. And
0: it's yeah. just yeah.
1: extremely hard.
0: Well, I when you were talking about the money and the debt thing, I was thinking like that's that's a real thing. Yeah. That's a literal thing, but it's also a metaphorical oh, thing absolutely. when you talk about especially when you talk about uh, racism and oh, yeah. slavery because I feel like there's a lot of modern people in the world who feel like they're operating from a place of like I I don't feel like I am a racist person, no. you know? Yeah. And so I want the world to be merit-based and fair and it's and it, you don't even realize I think a lot of people in my position don't realize, look, you're born with these advantages. You know, we're all, you know, white people are sort of all Mitt Romney in the sense <laughs> that, like, we we get to be mm-hmm. free to be white people. That's right. You know, we we aren't just mm-hmm. – we aren't coming from this legacy of of slavery and deprivation. And, and so – we, we, but we don't feel the advantage because mm-hmm. it's just like we take it for granted. What? What, just, what are you talking like, about? I didn't get
1: anything. I came you know, bootstraps. I came up, you know, I, I worked hard and I was smart and I worked more hours. And, yeah, there's some of that in there. But there are some things that came
0: to you. That, that you don't even getting. understand that That's you right. came. I mean, and the fact is all Americans, black, yeah. white. Whatever. Hispanic. Mm -hmm. We all are born with that advantage. Absolutely. And we take that for granted. I mean, we ever people like to say America is the best country and there. There are a lot of people who want to come here. I mean, there's some other countries that are pretty great. But just to be born in a place like this, as as opposed to some of those places where you see people starving just Mm -hmm. with nothing. Yeah. You know.
1: But um, one of the things that people oftentimes don't even realize about slavery is that slavery hasn't even ended. And the truth of the matter is that slavery was the means of the wealth production in this country. Imagine if you had everything that somebody produced, including their children, for a couple hundred years. How much wealth could you build with that? Okay. So slavery is the source of a lot of the surplus. That was in this country,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, these mm-hmm.
1: uncompensated workers, people still have that that mindset. there are people that are wage slaves because they can 't bargain uh, they don 't have unions they, all the, all of those things that make put them in a position where they don 't have any choices and that 's it to slavery is that state of having few to no choices, and then you deal with even a prison situation. Uh, The 13th Amendment said that there shall be no involuntary servitude except as punishment for a crime. So under the law, once you've been convicted of a crime, you have the status of a slave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did you read that new Jim Crow? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I heard her speak. And
1: we need, in some
0: respects, we need a
1: new kind of um, abolitionist movement. We need the, the idea that I could put your son in a cage for something he did. Mm -hmm. or your daughter or whatever, or I could deprive them of their human and citizenship rights and all that stuff, you know, for a term or for the rest of their lives. You know, that that has to be a point at which we say, you know what, we don't have that power, not individually, not collectively as a society. Now, there are things we need to be able to do to protect ourselves from those that would offend. But in a real sense, the
0: idea of caging people. Well, and we got more people, our per capita People in prison is more than any other country and in the world.
1: Civilized is the way they do it. But we're like with Iran and places like that. When you look at the numbers. how many people we but got locked up? We are at up. the top of the list
0: too. Yeah, yeah. and then the, and then the the rights that are deprived of them once they get out. So yeah. so yeah. even when they stop being locked up, yeah. you still have them. Yeah metaphorically Mm -hmm. locked up or hobbled
1: well that's it you're on supervision you have restrictions on your movement and then you know depending on what you're convicted on of you may not be able to live a certain place you may not be able to work a certain place all kinds of restrictions on your ability then to move freely within the society and to make your way
0: Mm -hmm. did you see the movie 12 years a Slave? I read that book. It, and I, it is I powerful, the movie. I couldn't, I felt like the movie, I didn't know if I could take, I read that book and you just kind of can't Oof. believe this guy's story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how he, j- and he was just in a world of like, you. Mm-hmm. To, to just be able to accept that that is what's happening to you yeah. and to try and move forward from that place of like, well, now I'm in this situation yeah. and I got to try and get out of it. I, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, it was powerful. And for me, one of the most powerful scenes
1: in the movie, and I don't mean to be a spoiler <laughs> is when he's reunited with his children who are now grown. Mm-hmm. His daughter has a child. His son is a man. And just, uh, you
0: know, he's he's not a broken man, but he's
1: been diminished significantly.
0: Well, that loss, and he's never going to—you can't get that. He regained yeah. his freedom, but he's not going to get that 12 years pl- paid. Yeah, but the hopeful
1: thing was the love that his family
0: had for him,
1: and that was pictured, too. as how they embraced him. And mm-hmm. basically said, you don't owe us an explanation. You don't—you know, just that love— which is that healing force to see that picture Mm -hmm. again brings hope again. And, and, and it is a message that love does restore that, that love heals, that love repairs, that love strengthens us for all of the things we need to do in our lives. Mm -hmm. And if we operate in love, you know, uh, that, uh, it'll, it'll strengthen us and, and, uh, and it'll build bonds with people that we come into contact with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, that is that 's a powerful thought, and that 's one of the things that I feel coming down to new orleans that 's yeah. one of the things i I like about it here yeah. is because I feel like people are more willing to make a connection with a stranger and to to show them a good time yeah. or to or to help them mm-hmm. in, in in ways it's just it's not yeah. you have to become here here they 'll accept you as the other. Yeah. is, you know, you're not the other. You yeah. start off being like, I want you. You're, you're one of us. Yeah. We're in. Let's go. Let's go. Let's yeah. go do the thing.
1: And this is my home.
0: You know, I've lived here most
1: of my life. I've lived away from here. But that's the thing that always draws you back. That's the thing that, you know, it is a place that, in all of its faults, is an accepting place. It's a place where you can be who you want to be, where you can move and that sort of stuff. And people will support you and encourage it. And like any other places you got, Forces that move against it, but in the main, I think of it as a loving place. I know that uh, I've been loved here, I have loved here, and I've you know tried to spread my love through the service I do, through the relationships I've Mm -hmm. built, and that sort of stuff. And uh, and I like the city. I love the city. You know, I try to get people to come because I think if they spend time here with people and all the things that we have that offered, they'll come to love the city too.
0: Well, it's funny because I always. I'm always hoping that what's going on here is going to spread to the rest of the country. But yeah. I kind of sometimes since <laughs> Katrina, sometimes I feel like, hey, there's more honking horns and yeah. cutting people off and Ooh. traffic going on here now yeah, than it was yeah. before. It's like, oh, I hope it's not going the wrong direction. But, well,
1: you've got an influx of people from different places. And, you know, people come from a place and they bring the energy of that place with them. Mm -hmm. You know, we leave a place and come to a new place and build a house we left. Right. You know?
0: (laughs) Well, let's hope hope that the people have left here planting those seeds in other places. And I know they have. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I have family that have not made it back. But they bring, you know, they bring New Orleans with them. Everywhere I went. When I was living in California, I was in a New Orleans state of mind. When I was living in Minnesota. (laughs) Well,
0: look, I'm just a visitor here. But for... After Katrina, then I decided I always had a party at my house for Christmas where I cooked and just invited a bunch of people over. And then Katrina happened. So I said, well, we're not having turkey now. We're going to have red beans and rice. And I'm going to make shrimp etouffee. And so that's what that's Christmas dinner at my house now. And I feel like uh, you come here and you learn it. Even if you're not from here, you kind of learn some of the things. You take it back and go, hey, listen to this music. Love is that first.
1: I mean, food is that first love in the form of nourishment. You know, one of the first contacts mother to child is when they put them on that breast and that milk, which is nourishment, mm-hmm. which is saying I have what you need and I'll share it with you. I'll help you to grow. And there long always you can get
0: a good meal, folks will nourish you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh, it's all so good. And, and, it's, and it feels like yeah. love. Like you eat it and then you feel like, oh, I think maybe yeah. I'm just going to get a little, I'm just going to put some on my face. <laughs> just <laughs> kind of rub it in. or Yeah. yeah and what you want to do is you
1: want to get out of the restaurants. You want to get in some people 's homes, because as good as our restaurants are, the best cooks are in people's homes, the grandmothers Mm -hmm. and the mamas and the sisters and the aunties and the fathers and the uncles and the brothers and the
0: yeah, I'm ready to take it to the next level, I mean you do see people here where you not, like you go see Kermit Ruffins and he's barbecuing like he's not just making music, he's cooking food, he's going to feed people who came to his show
1: and he's cooked a pot of red beans that you could uh, (laughs) get a little red beans and rice absolutely, But that's sharing the love again, and Mm -hmm. music and food, and just good spirit you know, and music lifts us in ways. That uh, you know, other things can't. It triggers parts of our memory and uh and brings us to places, sometimes to hurt, but so oftentimes mm-hmm. to joy. Uh and that is the power of it. And we have it. You know, we got music in abundance here, we got good food, we got good yeah. people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, thank you for talking to me. I. I I'm looking forward. I hope I get to meet your... This, this isn't a spoiler because this will come out later, but okay. I'm going to get to meet your fiancé who's oh, not even your fiancé yet. I absolutely. feel like that's a, that's a good surprise yeah. for I'm me. I'm looking this forward you to
1: meet Lisa, and we'll probably make that happen while you're here if we can make that. All right. all
0: right. What is the secret to... Because you're talking all about love, and before you were talking about that that wave that can hit you when you're standing next to something... That's terrible happening to someone else. And how do you this is like a piece of advice that maybe people who are listening can Mm -hmm. take is how do you rinse your heart? How do you cleanse your heart after you get hurt like that or or after when you're close to something that that just kind of wants to pull you down?
1: When you understand that is temporal, that this is temporary, that this hurt will Mm -hmm. heal that this is for a time and this time will pass. And then you also know that there may be work that I can do to lessen the healing, uh, to shorten the hurt period. And again, if you can say, you know, to the, to the parents, to the person, I'm still with you. And in the ways that I can help, I will. Mm -hmm. And then I try to encourage family. Now is the trying time. Now is the time to shower with love again. And, you know, this too shall pass is, is, is something if you go to some of the, things that people look at is this is temporal. You know it's temporary. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, hurts are acute and then they get over time less and less, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you have time for lunch? Absolutely. All right. (laughs) Let's go eat. Thank (laughs) you, George. You're welcome, man. Thank you. I can't quite make that out. I thought you said Well, all right. Hey, thank you. Thank you for listening. And hey, George Cheney, thank you for being on my show. It is always a pleasure to talk to George. In fact, I'm going to call him up and talk to him as soon as I'm done doing this at the end of the show to tell him what a pleasure it was to listen to that conversation again. And uh, thank you, folks. I'd call you up and tell you what a pleasure it is to have you listening to me having a conversation with people that I'm, but you know, then that, that starts to get ridiculous. Who's we don't have, neither one of us have the time to make or receive those calls, but I look forward to the next time I will see all of you at the nightclub. Meanwhile, don't forget to don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later, but you can procrastinate that almost till the very, very last minute. Enjoy yourselves. And I will be back Next week with episode 99. It's a little hard for even me to believe that, you know, it's one step at a time and uh, eventually episode 99 rolls around and it's almost time for that. And, uh, and you helped. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will, um, I will talk to you soon. I'm going to talk to you since less than a week, right? Cause however long it took you to listen to this, the next one's going to be out less than a week from now. So, uh, That's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to me. It's a good feeling to me. I hope it's a good feeling to you. Feel yourself right now. How's that feel? Pretty good? I'm doing the same thing. Mm, Super naughty. Talk to you later. Yeah.